Welcome to the Gym Heroes Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Peacock. Today's show is brought to you by GymDesk, the easiest gym management software you'll ever use. Take payments, create marketing automations, track attendance, and much more. To try the software out free, go to gymdesk.com. No credit card or painful sales call required. Our hero today is Mike Arce, founder and CEO of LoudRumor, an agency that helps gyms grow exponentially. In this episode, Mike reveals some of the wisdom he's acquired from helping hundreds and hundreds of gyms over the last several years. Mike uncovers the pillars of gym growth, expert selling and pre-selling techniques, managing customer acquisition costs, using AI for marketing, and even effective old school offline marketing strategies. If you're serious about growing your business, you have to listen to this episode. Without further ado, Mike Arson. All right. Welcome to the Gym Heroes podcast. Today we have Mike Arce. Mike, can you give us a little bit of your background in business? In business or just in fitness business? Well, fitness business, yeah, because Gym Heroes podcast, absolutely. Yeah. So I actually, I was in the fitness industry for about uh, a decade uh, prior to getting into the marketing world. So from age uh, about 19 all the way until about 29, 30. And then from there, I got into business. Um, so I started doing a lot of SEO and AdWords and marketing for, for all different businesses, not just gyms. In fact, I didn't niche until 2016 into gyms. So we were working with dentists, real estate agents, doctors, lawyers, all that. I got real bored with it because um, I didn't have a passion for anything other than marketing, business, and fitness. So in 2016, we merged and uh, we exclusively... Uh, built a business to help gyms and fitness studios succeed. So that's been now seven years. It's crazy to think that it's already been that long. Excellent. And through through that business, you've worked with tons of gyms. What do you believe are the fundamentals that gym owners should have down in order to scale their businesses? Um, well, there's a lot of fundamentals within the main fundament. Like we, we believe there's four pillars at every business, not just fitness, but any business should really get nailed down. And the first one's people. That includes leadership, getting the right people in the right seats, doing the right things right, and making sure we're a cohesive team working together well. Next is sales, which includes marketing, branding, PR, obviously sales. Next is money, which is out of the top five reasons why businesses go out of business. Two of those five reasons is because of mismanagement of money. So really knowing mm-hmm. how to look at money and make decisions based on it. And fourth is strategy. This is Here's where we're going. Here's why we're going there. And here are how we set goals and priorities along the way per year, per quarter, per month in order to make sure we're getting there on time. You get those things nailed down. Those are the fundamentals. And then from there, we can start getting fancy within each one of those. Absolutely. Um, Drilling down more, I guess, into processes, sales is a mystery to a lot of operators. And I gather that you, you really like sales and you believe it's an important aspect of growing any business really, but especially fitness businesses. Um, what's something that any gym owner can do that automatically increases their closing rates for prospects that walk through the door? So there's, so we have an entire certification, like a course, a university for mm-hmm. sales training. 
And there's a handful of things that you can do to get immediate impact. I would say the easiest one that people can start doing right away is being able to, when they first have their meeting, they do an intake meeting, which is every gym should be doing. That's, you know, you got your intake form, you got all the questions you ask, injuries, allergies, all that stuff. But in those questions, you're also having um, questions around possible objections that you already know are going to come up, whether they're objections around spousal, time, money, whatever. So all these things we know are going to come up. So what we're doing is we're actually overcoming the objections in the intake process. And then as we're going through the rest of the the, the demo, all the way up until where we're actually presenting program options, mm-hmm. we're actually pre-selling where we're planting seeds that help us combat these objections that are going to come up or won't if you do this right, so that we can actually just go right to sale. People that do this right, right away, notice usually a three to four X increase in conversion rates. And it's, it's literally clockwork. We've not seen anybody start implementing this that wasn't doing it right. That didn't see a drastic increase in sales closing. Yeah. So you mentioned pre-selling. What, what goes into pre-selling versus like selling, selling? Um, cause I know a lot of people are, are not even familiar with what that is. Like they've never even heard of trying to sell someone before they've sat down and started to talk about programming options. Yeah, we, we do it in regular life. We just don't tie it together. But, you know, mm-hmm. if you and I, I want you to go to a restaurant, I really want you to like it because I really like it. I might say, oh, man, Josh, you're going to love this steak here. This steak is amazing. Get the ribeye, though. The ribeye is the best one. It's like this. It's juicy. I describe it. Or, yeah. oh, you're going to love Game of Thrones. You especially would love Game of Thrones because I know you love this and that's what this is about. So we pre-sell all the time before they actually go do the thing. We're doing the same thing here. So I say, Josh, based on you, I know you're a steak lover. Or based on you, I know you love fantasy-type series. Same thing here. Based on your goals, based on where you're wanting to go, this thing, whatever it is, the, the workout or the style of workout or the progression or the supplements or whatever it is, this is exactly what people with your goals really, really work well with. You especially are going to get a lot out of this. So there's certain things we could do called pre-selling that we do all the time in business. But also what's really good is when you're looking at the intake form and one of the options in there might be how many days per week are you currently working out? And now they go ahead and circle however many those are. Well, we already know now how many times it can come. So this add on the time, you're already working out this many times. And if they say you know, not currently working out, then say, what uh, what days are you available to work out? And then they circle those. And almost every time, very well, they're circling three to four different options, right? Mm-hmm. And so now I'm sitting down, I go, so it looks like you're able to work out every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday, no matter what. Yes? Okay, perfect. That's a great start. That's actually all we really need if we can get that done. Now that we've got that, Josh, when we get down, I don't have the time. Well, you already said, well, first off, it's not even going to come up. Because it's yeah. already been tied. <laughs> yep. So a lot of the things that we fear getting, the best part about it is you don't get them when you overcome them in the beginning and you continue to reference throughout. Great. So we got, we got pre-selling and that's very clever because most people aren't doing that. And that's something that it can change immediately to help them. What are the steps of a good sales process behind, um, in front of or after the, the um, pre-selling process? Well, the pre-selling happens from the from the moment you find out what their goals are all the way up until mm-hmm. we're ready to show a program. So 
There's nothing really before or after it as that's encompassed. It's, it's happening throughout. Um, yeah. but there's, there's a few things that are very important and some of them are simple and they're fundamental stuff that anybody would be like, well, yeah, of course, but you'd be surprised how many people don't do it. If for owners or managers that are listening right now, if you're ever assuming that your people are doing everything in the sales process the way that you designed it to be, send in a shopper, tell a friend, a family member, something like that to go in, pretend to be a prospect and get their intake or input and say like, this is what's supposed to happen. Let me know how it goes. When they come back, you'll be surprised. A lot of the stuff that you thought would be happening isn't happening, even on the phone call. So I would say first thing is when the phone call comes in or take it back before that, the lead comes in. You got to call these leads within five minutes of them coming in. Um, there's a 900% mm. decrease in the likelihood of you getting somebody on the phone if you wait longer than five minutes. There's a study published by uh, MIT and HubSpot actually kind of made that study big. This is about six years ago, but it's still maintained uh, generally true um, because the phone's still in their hand. 92% of the activity is happening on mobile. So if somebody's seeing an ad on Facebook, 92% of the activity is on mobile. So if that lead mm. was just submitted, the phone's probably still in their hands, which is where right. you want it to be if you're making the call to the lead, right? Okay. So number one, call them right away. Number two, when you call, this sounds fundamental, Josh, but I have a franchise. I'll give you an example. All the stuff I'm about to tell you, as fundamental as it is, I'm about to explain to you. I've got a franchise that has a lot of studios, a lot of studios. And they were saying that they weren't able to convert a lot of their leads. I said, give me a mm -hmm. list of your franchise locations. So I got this list. And I was like, I'm going to call as many as I can. I, I literally called it if I had a nickel. The concept was if I had a nickel for every deal that you should have booked, but you didn't, I'll go until I get a dollar, right? So basically 20. <laughs> now, anytime they book somebody, then I take a nickel out, right? So now we're, we're getting for I'll call as many as I need to. It took 21 calls for me to find 20 people that didn't do it right, that didn't book me. So when they, first off, out of the 21, 11 didn't even answer the phone. This was three o'clock on a Wednesday. That's step one in making a sale, right? Be available. Wow. Step one, 11 didn't answer the phone. Out of the 11 that didn't answer the phone, two called me back. I left voicemails for all of them. Two called me back. So if you're not checking on your front desk, your salespeople that should be doing this, I would encourage you to do because they were all surprised. All these owners, they thought they had this buttoned up. Okay. Now, out of the nine that I did get on the call, um, two of them answered the phone like this. Hello? As crazy <laughs> as it sounds, stuff, right? But this is a big franchise. That's a, that's a big public company, right? And they're, they're doing this. Okay. So. Now I, I keep going. Okay. Of all those people, they all over talked. None of them, about half of them didn't even know my name. None of them really asked me about my goals and what I'm really looking for. And when they, when, when it came down to the end, Josh, I was such a good lead. I said, is it okay if my wife comes too? They were like, yeah, absolutely. Nobody asked what my wife's name was. And then when I said, that sounds great. Well, let me talk to her and find out when would be a good time for us to come in. Is it okay if I give you a call back? They all said, yeah. Nobody, well, one, other than that one, which I count as the one out of the 21, right? One of them went and actually booked me, right? All the, the others said, yeah, just give us a call back whenever. Of those, one person called me back. One called me back. I had two sales for them. 
And I was excited. So the point is, before you even get the person in the studio, are you doing the right things in the sales process to get them in the studio? Yeah, we all know those things should be done. There's not one person that's listening to me right now that goes, none of this is groundbreaking. No, it's not. That's the worst yeah. part is that this is done and you don't even know it. So I would definitely recommend shopping. We shop our clients for our clients and we'll, we'll actually go like, Hey, look, listen to the recording. Let me know what you think. And they'll be like, I can't believe this is happening. Yeah. Change that, just that alone and watch sales rise. Right. Okay. Now, once we get them in the door, uh, well, actually before that, when you're booking them, you always get them to bring a friend. It's better to get two mm. sales versus one any day of the week. So, yeah. Hey, Josh, it looks like the class that you chose. Actually, uh, it's, it's one of our most popular instructors. This class is fire. It's great. People love it. Usually it's booked, but there's actually two spots open. So you're getting one of them, but I would recommend bringing a friend of this one. I think they're going to have a lot of fun. Who, who did you want to bring with you? You'll be surprised about one out of every three people bring another person, one out of every three. So if you're wow. talking, you're, you're booking people in a month, you actually just book 40, right? Okay. Yeah. So that's another way. The next thing is show rates. Get the credit card. Use a credit card to confirm appointment. A lot of people don't like doing it. They say, oh, people aren't going to like that. You know what's funny? Everyone says that. And when we get them to do it, they go, my book rate, my show rate is literally like 95 to 100%. Of course it is. And guess what? Out of like 20 people, maybe one of them is going to have an issue to where you're not going to get their credit card. About five or seven of them are going to actually give you like a pushback where they're going to say, why do I need to give you my credit card? In which you just respond with, oh, it's just because it's class, it's, it's reservation based. So we have these, res- uh, these spots reserved for our members, but we're giving it to you. So there's no charge. It's a hundred percent on us. The only time you get charged is if for some reason you don't make it. And even if you can't make it, just give us a call ahead of time. So we know we can open up to a member. Make sense? Yes. Okay. Great. So, um, Amex, Visa, MasterCard, I'm ready when you are. That's it. Ready to go. They give you the card. From there alone, you're going to see an increase in show rates. If you just fix all that, Josh, before they even walked into your gym, that alone, you're going to see an increase in sales. And then there's a plethora of stuff you could do once they're in the door as well. That's a whole, we'll go down a rabbit hole if you want for that. Yeah. So some of our listeners, actually a lot of our listeners are, they operate yoga studios, martial arts schools. Will this work if somebody's calling for a jujitsu class and you say, Hey, our classes, they fill up quick. We only have maybe 16 spots per class, but we have an extra spot. You should bring a friend. You think that would work too? Is, you mean like, is the martial arts studio able to do it or does, will it work if they are able to? Cause if they're able to do it, yes, it works. Bring someone. Yeah, it just as, as long as they're able to do it, there's open spaces and because uh, this is something but that I don't hear often from martial arts owners. Yeah, but you have to sell it though. So what you can't say mm-hmm. is like, "Hey, there's actually because that sounds boring, right?" You got to mm-hmm. say like, "Hey, this class that you're picking, this is one of the more popular classes. This instructor is incredible. Okay, and he's one of the highest ranked out there." So I would. I'm shocked that there's an extra spot. I would definitely recommend bringing a friend. It, it's going to improve your experience. Who, who would you bring with you? So you, you do have to give it a reason. Oh, the, the selling point isn't there's an extra spot. That's awesome. So that's a really useful clarification. Sell the sizzle on the steak, make the class sound enticing, and then ask, do you have a friend you want to bring? Because we have 
Thanks for spot. Right. You got to make it look like this is a very wanted. Look, you got two pizzerias right next to you. One of them's got a line out the door and the other one, there's nobody in. Which one are you going into? Logically, we should just go into the one that we get a slice right now. But mm-hmm. why would people wait 20 minutes instead? Because you're sold right now that this is worth it because it's, yeah, it's, it's that good. Yep. Yeah. Evidence by all the people that want to get in. Right. Absolutely. Well, so what you, you said that pre-selling should get you past most obstacles or most objections, but if objections do pop up later in the sales process, how do you manage objections? Well, first you have to find out what the real objection is because most time we're overcoming mm-hmm. an objection that's not a real objection. Um, and usually an objection comes up because we did a pretty poor job in the sales process. So I want you to imagine two people on a date, right? Jack and Jill. And if Jack goes and picks up Jill for a date, is there a chance, Josh, that just on the car ride to the restaurant alone, based on what Jack did, how he talked, whatever, that Jill already made a decision like, why am I on this date? I shouldn't be here, right? Like this, there'll, there'll never be another date. She's already made a yeah. decision, right? Early on, yeah. early yes. on. And then let's say he did okay there. They get to the restaurant. I mean, there's so many opportunities for him to lose the sale down the road, Right. Before the drinks come, before the appetizers come, maybe he makes fun of the fact that she wants to be a vegan and she's annoyed by it. Or he just talked about how awesome he is for 20 minutes or how he suggested she shouldn't get that drink. She's just annoyed. Whatever it is, there's plenty of opportunity for him to lose the sale. He, he got the sale from the beginning because no one goes on a date for no reason unless you're looking mm-hmm. to get more out of this, right? So same thing goes. No one walks into a gym just because they got nothing to do. We got lots of things to do in our life, right? I'm here because right. I want something that I could provide. So the sale is yours to lose from the beginning. And now it's just about not losing the sale. Now go back to Jack and Jill. If let's say Jill already made the decision early on or anywhere throughout that she's not going to be with Jack, there's no second date. Jack goes at the end of the night, walks her to the door and goes, hey, I had a lot of fun. We should do this again next week. Now, Jill's not going to straight out say, no, I don't like you. She's going to give a make-believe objection because she doesn't want to hurt his feelings. So she's going to say something like, oh, you know, next weekend's kind of tough. I actually have, you know, a final for math I got to study for and I've really got to zone in. Now, he overcomes the objection marvelously. And he says something like, oh, really, math? I'm actually a math tutor at the university. This is great. I can help you. (laughs) <laughs> that's a great oh, right? Yeah. But that's not why she actually doesn't want to go. It has nothing to do with the math, right? So now she comes up with another objection. And she goes, oh, you know what? It's just I have my way of doing it. And so, like, I have a weird way of learning. I got a learning issue. So I, I got to do it, like, my way or it doesn't work. Okay. Well, what about the week after? Oh, I got a family coming into town, right? So there's always another Objection. The reason is because we're not even overcoming the real objection. And that's where you hear people say, you know, oh, you know what? I don't know. I I think I need to talk to my husband. Okay. Well, hey, let's get your husband on the call. Or why don't you bring your husband in or whatever the objection or or rebuttal Mm -hmm. or uh, overcome is, right? But then from there, she goes, yeah, well, also it's tough because we're going to be going out of town for the next like month and I don't even know when I'll be able to do it. Oh, no big deal. We could sign you up and freeze your account for a month. Yeah, but also with finances, right? There's always another objection. Right. Because we're not attacking the actual objection. Here's a real objection. 
I don't want to use my money in exchange for what you're giving me. That's it. That's the real thing. I'd rather have the money in my account than in yours for what you're going to give me. And we know that's true because you can't afford it can't be true. 70, uh, right now, the average American had $5,300 in credit card debt in 2019. Now, the most recent is $7,100 in credit card debt. Wow. Yeah. More than 80% of that credit card debt is on non-essentials, meaning we don't even need it. It's wants, right? Sushi, uh, hot tub, whatever. It doesn't matter. Anything that's not necessary. More than 80% of that. What that means, Josh, is that people don't buy what they need. They buy what they want. And so throughout the sales process, we've got to do what we can to get people to want something, not make it feel like it's something that they need. If we can get them to truly desire and want it, and we're doing that by tying it to their goals, which is, remember, they're here because they want something. We just got to make sure that we're showing that this is it. We are that thing. And we got to plant seeds. We've got to overcome objections throughout. And we've got to tie everything that we're talking about to their goal and the why behind that goal throughout that hour. You do that, you're going to do much better. Being a better date is practicing how to be a better date is way more valuable than practicing how to overcome objections when the girl says she doesn't want to go on a second date. Absolutely. Speaking of that, what are, what are some words and phrases you should avoid saying during that process? Weak words. So Mm. anything that is gray, no black and white, my most hated word, we don't use it in our company. It's not used in my house is the word try. We don't say, in fact, every year teachers call because I got four kids. So the youngest ones, they don't know how to explain it. They just know they're not allowed to say the word. Teachers will call (laughs) and I have conversations with them and they say, Mike, your daughter seems to believe that try is a curse word and that she shouldn't say it. And I said, yeah, it is a curse word. And she goes, what do you mean? I explained to her how it creates weakness in language and how it can cause people to find her as weak as well. She goes, yeah, mm-hmm. but isn't the word try applicable in some places? And I said, it is. All curse words are applicable in some places. Doesn't mean you use them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so certain words like try, right? Hey, we're going to try to get you there in the next three months. I want, I want to see if you could try to be in here three to four days a week. We try to help people get in the best shape of their lives. No, we're going to get there within three months. I need you here at least three days a week. Goal is four. We get people in the best shape of their lives. We speak passively, but what happens is when we speak with uncertainty, it creates uncertainty. Josh, if you invited me to a party, Josh, invite me to a party. Just let's role play real quick. Invite me to a party this weekend. Hey, I'm having a party this weekend. You want to come? Uh, yeah, I'll try to make it. What do you already know is going to happen, Josh? There's basically a 10% chance you'll actually be there. <laughs> okay, now let's do it again. Ask me again. Um, I'm having a party this weekend. You should come. I'll be there. Now, no, I know how do you feel now? I, I, what happened I feel is, confident. Right. The words I chose created certainty in you because you, you knew I was certain. Right. So when I, when I go and I, I hear some of these sales pitches, yeah. So what kind of stuff have you been, you know, trying to do and talk to me about what you're trying to get to? What are some of the goals that you'd like to be at? Give me an idea of where you'd like to be. That's all weak language. 
try, maybe, could be, should be, probably, all these types of words, they create lack of certainty. But the truth is we need them to have max certainty in four areas. They have Mm -hmm. to have max certainty in the modality, meaning the style of fitness that you run, yoga, cycle, whatever. Max certainty that this will help me get to my goal. Number two, I have to have max certainty that your company is the one that's going to execute this the best in the way that you do yoga or in the way that you do cycle or Pilates or whatever. I have to believe in your philosophy. I have to have max certainty in the salesperson, whoever's talking to me. I have to believe that they are confident that I can get to my goal. I believe them. I have max certainty in, in their perspective of what we're going to get accomplished here. And lastly, this is the most important one. A lot of people ignore it. They have to have max certainty in themselves. They have to believe that this is going to be different this time. I'm not going to quit like I've always done. I'm not going to get lazy. I'm not going to make excuses. This time is different. I'm going to get it done here. If we can get max certainty in all these, it's very, very hard to have them walk out without an agreement. Unfortunately, when you start using words like try, probably, maybe, perhaps, kind of, or three to five, two to four, it's yeah. so unclear. They can't see it. They don't, be- they don't believe it. They don't buy it. You almost give them permission that giving them wiggle room linguistically gives them permission not to show up, not to put the effort in and to close themselves off. Right. Absolutely. That sounds a lot like you're exhibiting a sort of positive social influence in the way that you talk. And that helps people actually to make their up their minds better. Well, of course, an example I use, if you and I were basketball players on a team, championship game, teams worked all year to get here. And you and I, let's say on paper, we're equal. We're the best two on the team by far, but we're equal on paper. Same percentage of shots made, turnovers, all that stuff, right? So now, here we go, end of the game, down by one, we call a timeout, it's our ball. We got to make a big decision here on what play we're going to run, okay? Who's going to get this ball? Only one of us can. Get in the huddle, coach says, Mike, Josh, you two are the best players on the team. I've counted on you all, all year. What should we do? And you say, coach, give me the ball. I'm going to try to make this shot. And I say, coach, give me the ball. I will make this shot. Who's hmm. coach giving the ball to? The certain one. Exactly. Now, in reality, you and I have the same odds of making this shot. Right? Like we're equal. One word, one word made a championship decision happen. Yes, that's how powerful it is. So when we discredit it in our sales process, we're being a little silly. Absolutely. So switching gear to gears to marketing now, paid ads are really expensive. SEO in local business, in local areas seems like it's, it's up and down. Some people have good progress with it, but Others seem like they don't get that much traffic. What what marketing channels should gym owners on a budget be focused on when they're trying to grow their businesses? So we'll talk to the budget ones. I got a couple good ideas for people to get business on a budget. First, when you say paid ads are expensive, what does that mean to you? Well, <laughs> Facebook, you, you used to be able to get leads for pennies on the dollar, but now you're spending 10, 15, 20, 30, even more than that to get to gain a lead. Right. So let me ask you a question. What's a good deal for a sandwich? Let's say at Jimmy John's or 
Subway or something. What's a good deal on a sandwich? Just a deal. Now, it's probably, like yeah, probably, probably five or six dollars. So if all of a sudden Subway started giving out sandwiches for 10 cents and they did that for a year and then all of a sudden sandwiches went back up to five, six dollars, is it expensive or is it you've been spoiled and you didn't take advantage of it the way you should have over a few years? Because in no time in history were people getting leads for pennies on the dollar. That's, yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> let, me, let me really break it down for you. It comes down to two numbers. When making decisions on how mm-hmm. much we should spend on marketing and is it worth it, it's just two numbers. CAC, LTV. That's it. CAC, which is customer acquisition cost, the amount of money I pay on average in order to acquire a customer, and LTV, lifetime value, the amount of money a customer is worth to my business. So if I am buying, let's say, this calculator for a dollar so I can sell it, if I sell it for two or three, I'm making a profit. If I sell it for 50 cents, I'm losing money, right? Mm-hmm. So we just need to make sure the LTV is larger than the CAC. But we actually have to look deeper. Um, but even though really what it, what matters is that the LTV is higher than the CAC, I like to see more at minimum of 4X on that number. Mm-hmm. Some people can easily enter 15X, which is great. But I'm going to, I'm going to show you how this works. So let's say the average member at a gym pays $150 a month. What we need to know is how long we keep that average member for. And if we know that, then we know what their lifetime value is, right? Because we just multiply how, how much they pay per month, multiply by how many months they pay us. A lot of people have a hard time coming up with that number. How do we determine how many months somebody stays with us? I mean, especially with like, if we're a young gym, only two years old, three years old, that data is off. Here's how you do it. Most people at least know what their attrition is, which is the percentage of people they lose on a monthly basis. So let's say we started February with 100 members, easy numbers. And of those 100 members, we lost six of them. Okay. We have a 6% attrition. Now, let's say when we look back at previous months, we've averaged about that, about a 6% attrition over the last six, seven months, right? That's what our attrition currently is. What that means is, we lose 6% of our active members on a monthly basis. So how to figure out how long somebody stays with you is very simple. You take the number one, you divide it by 6%, and what you get is 16.66. One divided by 6% is 16.66. What that means is your average member stays for over 16 months. So Mm -hmm. if your average member pays you $150 a month, you multiply that by 16.66. That means your average member is worth to you. Let me see here. Times the school, uh, 16. The average member is worth $2,400. Now let's say we're wanting a 10x return. That means we want to acquire members for $2,400 divided by 10, which is $240. We don't want to spend more than $240 in order to acquire a member. If we want a 10x return, which is fantastic. Right. Right. So now we go, well, if I spent $2,400 in marketing, I should have at least gotten 10 members. Then I can make sense of it. Right. But in reality, it's even less than that. So the point is we want to go, okay. Am I, is my marketing working? Well, if I spent $5,000 on marketing efforts and I got 20 members from that, I paid $250 to acquire a member. That is a great deal. 
Mm. Now, how do we make that a better deal? Because what I care about is that CAC, that CAC dropping as low as possible. So there's several other lines in the water you can do outside of paid ads. And we teach all that in our portal. But let's just go on the simplest one, the one that can just fraction it all the way down right away. And we can start doing it today. So when you sign up a member, on average, our gyms that work with us, they get an average of over two referrals at the point of every sale. Our best average seven referrals at the point of every sale. I'm not even kidding. That's our best. That is one guy though. That's our best. Next yeah. best after that's threes. Okay. So, but if we can get two to three referrals at the point of every sale, think about what that means to the business, right? So let's say you sign up 30 members in the month. And on average, you got three referrals from each one of them. You just got 90 new leads from those 30 members that you didn't pay for. Because you didn't pay for them, anything that happens from it automatically drops your overall cost per acquisition down. Okay. So now to these 90 leads, let's say, even though the referrals, we should close higher. Let's say we only convert one out of every three of them, which would mean we got another 30 members. So we had 30. Now we got another 30. Then from there, we get another three referrals from each one of them. We got another 90 referrals. And then we get another 30. And that keeps going. That's all from the same one cost. So that 250 acquisition cost in that first cut is 125. And then it keeps going down, keeps going down. The best gyms we work with are, are paying not just pennies on a dollar for a lead, Josh. They're paying pennies on a dollar for a member, for a member. Because next month we got more leads coming and we're going to do this again. So it's infinite return times infinite return. And every month we keep doing that over and over and over again. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes total sense. And I think that there's a I lot of, especially martial arts instructors that have never thought about it that way. They're worried about what does it yeah. cost right now immediately? That looks like a high number, but they're not thinking about how long do these members stay and how much are they worth to me over the tenure of that stay? Absolutely. Here's the best part. People that join a gym because they came via referral have a, tw- I can't remember the exact number, it's over 20, over 20% increase in retention, meaning you're keeping them for over 20% longer than the average person. So what that means, Josh, is that's going to improve your customer, your lifetime value for your customers, Right. Which mm-hmm. means now instead of twenty four hundred dollars, it's actually going to be more like three grand or higher. Which means you have the ability to spend even more money than your competitors to acquire a customer because you understand this concept. You win. Here, here's a way to look at it. We have a phrase in our business: amateurs add, professionals multiply. You're never going to lose customers by by division. You're going to always lose it by subtraction. We lost two members today. We lost four members today. So if you add members, yeah, we added three members today. We added four members and you're losing, you're going to hit a plateau. But mm-hmm. if you're multiplying, we added three members, which means we got 90 more leads and we're going to add 30 more. And then we're getting more leads on a regular basis. You're playing multiplication to get and you're only losing in subtraction. That's how gyms grow as fast as they do. That's how the average gym in our program grows by over 88% per year in the first 12 months because of that. Excellent. So we've talked about how to keep that customer acquisition cost continuing to go down and the lifetime value of your members to go up. One way I think you can do that also is to, is to find ways to keep your marketing costs as low as possible. 
And artificial intelligence seems to be all the rage right now in, in that area. So how have your gyms been leveraging AI to help them with their marketing? Well, first, we're using it. Number, mm-hmm. number one, we're using it. It's funny, I had a person that, uh, come up to me and they said, why should we pay you more if you're using AI to make it easier for you to get things done? Like, should we pay you less now? Shouldn't our price go down? <laughs> My response was, in 1850s, the clipper was created for barbers. Yeah. So they don't have to use a scissor anymore. So they get things done better and faster now because they have clippers. Now, would you rather pay more money for the guy still using scissors, taking longer to get you out and giving you a worse haircut? Or would you pay more for the money using the bar, the clippers so he can do a better haircut and get you out faster? What would you rather have? In my world, if you're using an agency that's not using AI, you're spending too much money already. Because that agency is using a human brain as opposed to the combination of human and artificial intelligence. You're spending more money for something to take longer to get done, longer to get tested and optimized, and probably not done as well versus working with a company that's leveraging these tools. I want to work with people that are using them. At this point, for all my vendors, if you're mm-hmm. not using AI, like I feel like I'm going to pay more because it's going to take you longer to do it. So that's number yeah. one. But number two, we've got people using AI internally, like their gyms, for stuff like, yeah, marketing campaigns. You can, stuff like ChatGPT can create Facebook ads for you really, really well. And you can tell it to use NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming in the ads. You can tell it to use scarcity, urgency. Um, um, uh, you could, you could say use rarity, science. Uh, we can even say, uh, let's say I'm promoting a Pilates studio. I could say in the ad, use three stats around Pilates that would be, intriguing to someone interested in joining a Pilates studio, right? You can do all that stuff. You could say, write it in the voice of Ryan Reynolds, right? So it's got a little humor <laughs> to it and wittiness. Yeah. Um, you can do all that stuff, right? You can do it for landing page. You can do it for text messages, for voicemail scripts, email scripts, sales scripts, overcoming objections. Overcoming objections is one I don't think is that great. But what I will tell you is you can use it for other stuff. Like, what's my LTV? And it'll ask you questions in order to give you the answer. So say like, well, what's your average dollar per member per month, right? You say 150. Great. What's your average attrition? You could say, how do I determine my attrition? It'll tell you. It's like talking to a computer, like a human, but that knows everything. See, with Google, it's different. You have to like sift through articles and learn how to decipher it and do it yourself. Here, you're talking to someone that's already done all that. So it's amazing. Slogan ideas. At our conference, GSDCon, we just had this weekend, I said, uh, okay, let's come up with some slogan ideas. Who here wants a slogan? So a bunch of studios raised their hands. And I said, okay, how about yours? So I went ahead and typed in the type of studio they are, what they want to be known for, their unique value proposition. And then it gave, I said, give me 10 slogan ideas. They gave me 10. Now, out of the 10, three were good, seven were not that good. But here's the deal, Josh. It happened in seconds. If a company was going to sit in a conference room table to come up with slogan ideas, how long would it take for them to come up with 10 where three are good? How long? Half hour, hour, maybe longer? Right. Seconds. The hardest part is the white piece of paper, the blank page. Yeah. But now I got three ideas. Oh, wow. These are pretty good. So then I write, give me 10 more ideas similar to two, five, and seven. And now gave me 10 more ideas similar to those. And I just kept going until we found one. In a matter of minutes, they had a slogan. And they loved it. And it was better than anything they ever thought of. 
I got people to come up on stage. I said, who wants a song? And Josh, not kidding. We put the type of person, studio, all that. And in a matter of seconds, there was a, a rap song written. We played it over the karaoke version of Beastie Boys Intergalactic. And we rapped it on stage live at our conference. <laughs> and it was great. It was great. By the time you launch, I have a roll of it. I'll send it to you. You can loop it over. That Yeah, definitely. That's so funny. <laughs> okay, so high tech should definitely be using it. But in in the wake of COVID, I, I'm hearing, one of my friends is uh, like a Parks and Rec guy. I'm hearing that a lot of like in-person events are really making a, a resurgence right now. Some of them are as popular as they've ever been. So are there, um, are there effective, reliable offline marketing tactics that gyms can use to grow as well? Yeah, philanthropy is great. So... One of the things that I don't think a lot of people know this, but Josh, how much do you think it would cost to feed a child in a starving country for a month? What do you think it costs? For a month? Uh, $20 maybe? I don't know. Five to $7, right? Through companies like Feed My Starving Children or Feeding America, right? About five to $7 to feed a child for an entire month. So the hardest thing is getting referrals for no reason, right? Because if I were to Mm -hmm. say to you, let's say we're, and I say, hey, Josh, why don't you come to my gym, work out with me? It's pretty cool. Maybe I can get you there. But if I were to say like, hey, man, the uh, gym that I go to, they're running this really cool promo. They're wanting to feed 300 children in starving countries for an entire month. And what we're doing is every person we bring in, they're going to feed an, a child for an entire month on your behalf. So I'm looking to bring in like 10 people myself. So did you want to come down with me? So now what happens, Josh, is we're bringing in, you say you want leads right? Leads at pennies mm-hmm. on the dollar, right? But in reality, what you're saying is if I got a lead for 10 bucks, you'd probably be pretty happy, right? 10 bucks right, is probably right. pretty good. Yep. But what if you got a show, not a lead, not a book, but you got a show from a referral for five to $7, five to seven, right? So you can have events where you can have people come in like a closeout member appreciation, or you could just encourage people to come in and do the workouts with their friends or a hybrid of both with a mission, we're looking to feed 300 children by the end of this month, right? Or by the end of this quarter or by whatever, right? And you have like a thermometer thing that you can keep coloring every time more people come in so people can really see the impact and be driving it and highlight the people that are getting the most people in. John's brought in 16 people. Who's going to be number one? I got a surprise. I got a special gift for whoever's done number one, right? Whatever it is, or even whoever's the number one, I'm going to match whatever they did. I mean, think about it. Now you're paying 10 to 12, $14 per show. It's great. So there's unique ways that you can really get a lot of people in the studio. I think people overthink it. Just get mm-hmm. people in the door. There's a lot of yeah. cool ways to get people in the door. Just get people in the door. What can we do to get people in? Excellent. So let's say that you, you, found yourself at a, like a local event, a fair or like uh, something for the summer or we do, there's lots of events around here. We'll do like a um, something called autumn treasures where a lot of vendors will show up and there's all kinds of things around us and it's themed around the fall time. And, and that, and there's, there's thousands of people that come through there and say that you, you have a presence there, you have a booth. What are some ways that you can leverage that presence and ensure that you capture as many quality leads as possible. Yeah. 
So this is not a bad thing to do, but because it's not something you do on autopilot, we spend very, very, very little time talking about this in our program. We spend the majority okay. of stuff of our time talking about stuff that you can do every day, right? Like, cause, right, cause then it's right, predictable. Right. However, to answer your question, a lot of it's big noise. So if you're going to have a booth, be the loudest booth, be the one <laughs> that's got the most at it at all times. So whether that's having yeah. some sort of like a putt putt thing and a person who gets the farthest putt wins or, you know, some sort of contest, like there's one where you could hang whoever could hang from this bar for the longest wins and you have the records. So people can see what the records are one minute, 58 seconds. So everyone's kind of lining up to do it. Yeah. And the point is draw attention, get people to your booth. Remember the pizzeria example, right? You had two booths. One of them's got a packed house around it. The other one's wide open with two people just sitting there not talking to anybody. Which one do you want to go up to? So you got to make a lot of noise. And then when you're there, you got to get a lot of excitement around what you're doing and get people to come in for something free where you can leverage philanthropy again and say, hey, what we're doing too for everyone that actually comes in and does a workout, we're going to feed a child for an entire month. So are you open to help feed a child for an entire month? Yeah. Awesome. Well, let's get you in. That's it, right? So... Um, that would work well, but again, I, I spend more time working on things that I know I can do on a daily basis. If needed. Excellent. Cool. So you, you've, you've touched on your service a bit throughout the course of this episode. You have a coaching program that you work with gym owners in, in multiple ways. How does your coaching program work with gym owners? Did, did I plug my business quite a bit? Sorry, did that? Did not. <laughs> no, no. no, you've mentioned that you work with people. It was not. <laughs> yeah. no, no, I, 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 I purposely did. Okay, so look, I'm being very transparent. Um, no, I love what we do, and I believe very much in what we do. The average gym in mm-hmm. our program within the first days of working with us increases their monthly revenue by $8,300 plus in their first 30 days, right? In the first 60 mm-hmm. days, it's over sixteen grand. The average wow. gym in our program sees an over 280% return on their investment within the first year and over 88% growth in their revenue within the first year. So I love what we do. I believe in it. The top 10 franchisees at any franchise are usually in our program. Okay. Our program is designed to help fitness studios grow. Our, our tagline is where the best gyms go to grow. That is, can be confusing, but really the idea is I want to work with the best or people that want to be the best. That's mm-hmm. it. If there's somebody that's interested in kind of like just teaching classes, making a little money off of it, it's just going to be hard to be the best gym. You might have a great life, but you just may not be the best gym. That's what we're looking to work with. So the people in our program, they're movers, man. They're movers. At this conference that we just had, we had hundreds of gym owners and they're all working together. They're sharing stuff. They fly to each other's studios. They learn their sales teams get together. I mean, it, I don't even call it a, a program. It's like a league, man. Like this is a league where these players play. So uh, we have two main components to our company. That's it. First is this program 360, where it's it's this mastermind, this league, where we do a ton of training and we let you in on a lot of the inside secrets of some of the best of the best you're doing. So that's mm-hmm. 360. It's a whole business. So I call it 360. The next is the marketing side. Yeah, like even though we'll show you how to do a lot of the stuff you can do yourself in 360, if you just realize it's more worth your time to just pay a company some money to do it for you, we'll do the marketing for you, which by the way, between you and you and me, it is like you shouldn't be running a Facebook ad in house. Not unless you have five to 10 locations and you have one person doing it for all of them. But if you have less than that, 
yeah, outsource it. It's a lot cheaper and you get it done better, faster. So those are the two components. And then we've got the number one conference. We do it every quarter called GSD Con. And every quarter is a different theme. So we just did people last weekend. The next one's sales. The one after that's money. And the next one's uh, strategy, which your first question earlier, you asked, what do you think are the fundamentals to be successful? Those are the four pillars. And we have a conference for each one of them throughout the year. Excellent. So if my listeners are not uh, motivated to reach out, I don't know what would motivate them to reach out. But if they do, and I hope they do, where can listeners find you? Where can they reach out at? All right. So there's three spots and they're good spots. So make sure you get a pen if you're listening. Number one, I'm just going to get the first one out of the way. It's easy. Loudrumor.com. Loud rumor. Like I heard a rumor. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's the name of our company. We're with over 2,400 studios worldwide, over 50 franchises. We're the best of what we do. Okay. The next thing is gsdcon.com. GSD, like get shit done. That's literally what it stands for. Mm-hmm. So gsd.com, that's the conference. The third one is the GSD show. Get shit done. But like you, Josh, I've got a podcast. And I don't know about you, but I listen to quite a few podcasts throughout my week. Yep. So any listener should be listening to yours and mine to just get more perspective and a well-rounded approach to be able to grow their gym. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for coming on. And I hope we can actually do this again sometime. Me too. And maybe we can uh, flip it around. We'll see. Absolutely. Thank you.